Father, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your word that we can stand upon. As we call to you, you answer. Our desire is to be near you. And how wonderful is it to stand firm upon your word in the belief in our hearts that you are everywhere, that you are here, that you are present. That we don't have to search for you. We don't have to find you. That you came and sought after us and rescued us. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that our faith is secure because of what you've done. Thank you that our belief secure because of the grace that you have given through the sacrifice of your son, the things that you've done for us. And so we seek after you knowing full well that it's you who first sought after us. God, we thank you for your rescue plan. We thank you for your hope. We thank you for your love. We pray this all in the wonderful name and the powerful name and the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Yeah, let's give it up to Lydia and the team. Well done, guys. And my good friend Justin gets to share with us this morning. Love this guy. Uh, this is the cool part about Justin. Um, he's in his fourth year. Last year, he's been commuter all his like time here. And then his last semester of his last year, he moved on campus. How awesome is that? You know the, the stereotype of like people can't wait to get off of campus when they're done? He just couldn't wait to get on. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely good to be on campus finally. It's so hard as a commuter to just like get connected, and it took me so long to figure out how to do that. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fun time. So if you're a commuter, there's hope. You'll get connected. Just keep trying. <laughs> okay, so if you don't know me, like Gavin said, I'm Justin. I'm in my fourth year. I'm in the youth leadership program. All y'all should be in that program. It's the best. I'm a youth pastor. I love all things to do with youth. Um, and if you know me, uh, you know that's true because I'm definitely a 12-year-old at heart all the time. Um, Jeff calls me a professional older brother, which is basically what all youth pastors are. So that's me in a nutshell. Uh, let's get into it. So we're in First uh, John 2, uh, verse 7 to 13. So if you guys want to turn there in your Bibles or on your phones or whatever you're using for our Holy Scripture this morning. <laughs> okay, before I read that, though, I'm going to read a little story for you. It's about a little boy named Mark. Mark was an 11-year-old orphan who lived with his aunt, a bitter middle-aged woman, greatly annoyed with the burden of caring for her dead sister's son. She never failed to remind young Mark, if it hadn't been for her generosity, he would be a vagrant, homeless waif. Still, with all the scolding and chillness at home, he was a sweet and gentle child. Mark's school teacher had not noticed him particularly until he began staying after class each day, at the risk of arousing his aunt's anger, she later found, to help her straighten up the room. They did this quietly and comfortably, not speaking much, but enjoying the solitude of that hour of the day. When they did talk, Mark spoke mostly of his mother. Though he was quite small when she died, he remembered a kind, gentle, loving woman who always spent much time with him. As Christmas drew near, however, Mark failed to stay after school each day. 
His teacher looked forward to his coming, and when the days passed and he continued to scamper hurriedly from the room after class, she stopped him one afternoon and asked why he no longer helped her in the room. She told him how she had missed him, and his large gray eyes lit up eagerly as he replied, Did you really miss me? Mark's teacher explained how he had been her best helper. I was making you a surprise, he whispered confidently. It's for Christmas. With that, he became embarrassed and dashed from the room. He didn't stay after school anymore after that. Finally came the last day of school before Christmas. Mark crept slowly into the room late that afternoon with his hands concealing something behind his back. I have your present, he said timidly when his teacher looked up. I hope you like it. He held out his hands, and there lying in his small palms was a tiny wooden box. It's beautiful, Mark. Is there something in it? His teacher asked, opening the top to look inside. Oh, you can't see what's in it, he replied. And you can't touch it or taste it or feel it. But mother always said it makes you feel good all the time, warm on cold nights and safe when you're all alone. Mark's teacher gazed into the empty box. What is it, Mark? She asked gently. That will make me feel so good. It's love, he whispered softly. And mother always said it's best when you give it away. And he turned and quietly left the room. I thought that story was very beautiful. Today we're talking about being in the light. So, we get to 1 John 2, verse 7 to 8 is where we're going to start. The topic of that story will become clear as we kind of get farther into, into into the word this morning. So, 2, verse 7 to 8 says, Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So this commandment, the one that John is referring to, he's looking way back to the very beginning when um, the commandments were made, when Moses was making the tablets and it was the very first time that the law was created. So Leviticus 19.18, God says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, okay, so I need to treat others nicely, maybe like buy them a Starbucks, give them a good old pat on the back. Like, I'd like that. So I guess like if I do that, I'm good. Just be nice to people. Awesome. Great. So that's all good and well. That's, that's good. But that's only the first part. And it's the old part. It's not the new part. The new part is the part where Jesus comes in. It takes the same principle of loving other people, and it takes it a step further. In John 13, verse 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Okay, so this is tough because Jesus didn't just simply love people. His love went so much farther than that, and it went to the point where he died on the cross for us. That's not, that's not an easy love to replicate, so that that commandment, when you hear that and you truly understand what it means, we should be sitting there going like, how in the world am I ever going to do that? Because like dying on the cross for somebody, that's not an easy thing to do. So Jesus, he genuinely loved people. He loved everyone. Sure, he got angry at some people. Maybe he was frustrated at some other ones. But he loved them none the same, like all the same. It didn't matter who they were. 
And he loved them all so deeply that he didn't die just for his followers. He died for everyone. He died for us. That's crazy. And it wasn't just like, I'm going to have a nice, easy, quick death. Like, it's done painless like that. He died the most painful, gruesome death imaginable. And he chose to willingly put himself in that place for us. That's the kind of love we're talking about. So, Jesus is the true light. His love, that's part of it. What is the true light? 1 John 2 verse 8 says, At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So Jesus, the true light. John eight twelve says, Well, Jesus is talking. John doesn't say this. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. So let's just say that Jesus, the light of the world, he's the true light that John is talking about in verse 8. So he's the true, real light of which the physical light that we see in the world is but a reflection. Okay? So our real light, the light that is real to us, it's only a copy. Because the light, the true light is Jesus and the love that comes from him. So when you, think of, when you think of light in the world, like natural light versus a light bulb, how can you tell the difference? Like what's the difference between those two things? They both create light. What's the difference? They look a little different, but I mean, if your eyes were closed, you wouldn't be able to tell other than the fact that they feel different. Natural light creates heat, a lot of it. When you stand in the sun, it's nice. In front of a fire, it's warming. When you stand in front of a light bulb, you get light, and that's it. Close your eyes for a moment. This is where we're going to use our imagination juices. Imagine you're walking outside, and it's a brisk autumn day. The leaves are golden, and they crunch beneath your feet as you walk. The sky is as blue as you've ever seen it, and the sun... Sometimes you just stop, close your eyes, and turn into its embrace. No longer caring about the beautiful leaves or the brilliant sky. The warmth from the sun radiates across your face and slowly warms your body. But it's not a harsh warmth. It's gentle and it's soothing. The way that we can tell the difference between natural light and that of a light bulb is the way that it makes you feel. You guys can open your eyes now. In the same way that we know... Jesus is the true light is because of his love and the way that that makes us feel. It's the same as the way that we can tell that the sun is real from a light bulb is that it makes us feel great and nothing can quite compare to it. It's the same as Jesus' love. Nothing quite compares to that love. So moving on in our passage, 1 John 2, 9 to 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I really feel like John was foreshadowing Anakin's relationship with Obi-Wan, you know, in Star Wars. I was really hoping people would laugh at that. (laughs) I don't know how many Star Wars nerds there are in here. 
So verse 9 to 11 presents this idea of hate and darkness and love and light, just like a lot of movies do. Like every big like trilogy movie that we watch, whether it's The Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, whatever it is, there's always good versus evil, love and hate. There's the light and the darkness, and there's this battle between them. As Christians, the Bible tells us that we can't live in the middle of those two. We can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of Christ, right? We have to choose one or the other and take the step and live fully in the kingdom, right? The same way with light and darkness. You can't live in twilight. You got to choose. Verse 10 and 11 shows us that not only does our love or hatred reveal whether we are in the light or in the darkness, but also that whichever one that we're in, we contribute to that. So if we're living in the light, we're contributing to that light. But if we're in darkness, there's nothing we can do but contribute to that darkness. But, you know, just the darkness itself, it says, the, the scripture that we're looking at, it says that we're blinded by the darkness. But the darkness by itself, like if you're in a dark room, there's going to be light somewhere. You can see a little bit, right? And you can eventually find your way to the door. But if you are in that room and you're contributing to the darkness, you're the source. It's coming out of you. There's no way that you're going to be able to see past that, right? It's, it's clouding you because it's coming from you. You're contributing. You're making it more dark. When you squeeze a sponge, it's full, what comes out of it? Can you choose what comes out of it? Whatever you want. Say I squeeze the sponge. I want clean water. But what if dirty water's in the sponge? Dirty water's going to come out, right? What's inside the sponge is what's going to come out when you squeeze it. And you can't hope for clean water if you just dunked it in a dirty bucket. Right? There's gonna, it's going to be full of dirty water. So say you want to clean something. You've dipped your sponge in this bucket of dirty water. Well, you can't clean with dirty water. How are you going to get the clean water in the dirty sponge? Well, you have to dip it in a bucket of clean water, squeeze it out, dip it, squeeze it out, dip it, squeeze it out, over and over and over again until what you're left with is a clean sponge with clean water in it. It takes a long time. It's kind of frustrating sometimes when you want a clean sponge because they don't come clean easy. Just like... A dirty sponge, our hearts, when we let them get dirty, they don't just come clean automatically. We can't just rinse them with clean water and have it be clean again. We can't just put a little bit of light in and be like, hey, I'm light again. I'm not contributing to darkness. It takes work. I can't just read my Bible once a day and hope that, oh, because I read my Bible for five minutes, I'm, I'm good for the rest of the day and I'm clean now. Right? You've got to be intentional about it. You've got to keep squeezing that sponge, putting more good stuff in so that the bad stuff comes out. So Jesus set an example for us to follow, and definitely not an easy one. He asked us to love as he loved us, which is living in the light, loving as Jesus did intentionally. That's the key, being Intentional. So verse 10 says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. So what does it mean to be in the light? 
That's the title of my sermon, Be in the Light. When I started this, I was kind of thinking, okay, be in the light. I hadn't really read the scripture yet. I was kind of jumping to conclusions. I was like, okay, well, that means, okay, we need to live above reproach. We need to live with a good example and live like Jesus did. Like, that's, that's good. But it's more than that. Yeah, we should live above reproach because Jesus did that. But in addition to that, being in the light means making it our mandate to interact. Sorry. Making it our mandate to live a sacrificially loving life. Because that's what Jesus did. He didn't just live good. He was sacrificial in his love towards others. Something that I think for us, especially up here on the hill when we're so immersed in this chapel all the time and Bible reading for school, something that kind of fades into the back of our minds really easily is that we're representatives of God. When we interact with people around us, they need to come away with a higher representation of who he is. Think about that. When was the last time that you consciously thought about how somebody viewed God based on how you were? I'm going to be honest. I don't do that very often, if at all, that particular way. I might think if I'm in a situation where I'm with some people and we're doing some stuff and I'm like, "Ah, I don't know if I should be doing this. Like, I don't know if this sits right with me as a Christian. Like, that, that's the kind of thoughts that run through my head. Not, if I do this, what do they think God is by what I'm doing? It's slightly different, but it's easy to kind of lump them into the same thing. So, how does the guy at Costco who draws the line down your receipt view God by you? How does that person on the street that's shivering in negative eight degree weather without any gloves on view God because of how you act? How does that friend who doesn't know God see God and know who he is because of you? The only way that we can live in the light and the love of Jesus is if we're really intentional about it and we're thinking about it. That's hard to do. It can't be a passive thing because just because we go to Bible college, we go to chapel Monday morning, Thursday morning, and Wednesday night, plus a Sunday morning service at church, that that intentionality isn't just going to leak out of us. Like, we actually have to step out and do those things. We have to think about it and consciously make the effort to love other people like Christ loved us. It's not just going to happen. Just like it took time to make that sponge clean. It takes time to make our hearts clean and fill it with light. It also takes work and time to spread love. That genuine love of Jesus. It takes a lot of work to think that and be intentional about that love every day, constantly. I believe that this campus of students, both commuters and students in residence, I think that we can do that. 
I think that we can be intentional in the way that we love others. We've got the resources, we've got staff and pastors and friends to hold us up. And you know what? If 12 people, 12 people could live in the light and the love of Jesus and spread the gospel to the entire world, what do you think a campus of a few hundred could do? We're literally 30 times the disciples' size, and they spread the gospel to everywhere. Imagine what we could do. The true light, Jesus Christ, is the light of love, and thus to walk or to live or to be in the light is to walk in love. Let's be in the light, guys. Lord, thank you for this campus, this school. Thank you that we have such awesome staff and mentors just building us up and the fact that we get to be here and learn about you and grow in our relationship with you. Lord, as we go today, finishing up our school, our classes, just be with us. Help us to think intentionally about who you are and how we can step out in your kind of love. Be with us as we go. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Go as kingdom people living in the love of Christ.